gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm going to show the whole world why I was the unscripted, uncensored, loose cannon of commentary. I'm back, baby. Broadcasting from Manchester in the United Kingdom, this is the Aaron Meta Show. What's up, boys and girls? It's Aaron from the Aaron Meta Show. It is the 13th of October of 2018. My name is Aaron. And Patricia, you got any because I haven't turned the levels up. Hey, Patricia, you right? <laughs> yes, I'm doing good, thank you. <laughs> there we go. Okay, so, uh, yeah, sorry I had a bit of uh, sound issues just at the beginning of the show, which was uh, kind of weird, so... Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, we've got a lot of stuff to get through today, so uh, just to give you a rundown on what's going on. Uh, Trump's losing support in the Rust Belt. Talk about that. Uh, Republicans uh, smash... Um, Republicans smashes a mic and then throws it in a female candidate. We're going to see what that's all about. Uh, Bakers win right to turn down gay slogans but not gay customers. I'll tell you about that as well. Uh, some WWE, Disney, and Nickelodeon stuff to get through as well. Uh, we also got some NES and some EA news, and also some stuff from Sega as well. And also we've got some stupid news as well. So, uh, plenty of interesting stuff to get on with in the show. But before we do that, uh, Patricia, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, thank you. Yeah, and uh, you got anything coming up on the Old School Lane podcast? Um, well, I uh, just recorded a episode of Casual Chats not too long ago. Um, but I'm hoping to have that out either by this weekend or next weekend. And I'm currently writing a script for a new video that I'm hoping to have out in the next two weeks. Cool. That sounds awesome. So yeah, everyone go check out oldschoollane.blogspot.com and also go check it out on, on YouTube as well. So uh, plenty of fun stuff on Old School Lane Podcast. Okay, shall we get on with the show? Yes. Let's go. So this story is of the utmost importance for 2020 and honestly it's been overlooked massively. So Newsweek says, how badly are Trump's tariffs hurting his Rust Belt base ahead of the midterms? Look at these numbers. This really is something. In Indiana, the percentage of voters who think um, tariffs are beneficial, 37%, harmful, 44%. Michigan, beneficial, 38%, harmful, 45%. Ohio, um, beneficial, 37%, harmful, 46%. Pennsylvania, beneficial, 33%, harmful, 46%. Wisconsin, Beneficial, 33%, or excuse me, 36%, harmful, 50%. So this is Cal Kowinski, and he's just going through all the, uh, this is basically, this was uh, how Trump won the election in 2016. And uh, now he's, uh, now they're saying that, uh, you know, the tariffs that he's putting in place uh, with China and uh, various other countries across the world. And uh, now these polls are just coming out, and they're saying that's in the Rust Belt, which uh, he won. For the presidential election, apparently uh, he's uh, he's not he's not he's saying that these now they're saying that these uh, tariffs that they're putting in are going to be pretty harmful for their economies. Yeah, I, I've been hearing a lot about that lately. Mm-hmm. So, so let's break this down a little bit here. Ta- the whole point of tariffs, if you're doing them properly, the whole point is, oh, we're going to try to um, help manufacturing in the U.S. and create more jobs here and make our country prosperous and not allow, you know, corporations to wantonly outsource solid, good-paying jobs that middle-class families in the U.S. had. If you're doing tariffs properly, you are incentivizing job growth in the U.S. and also wage growth because, you know, these are industries that usually were unionized. 
Um, that's the whole point. If you're going to do protectionism, which I actually uh, I lean towards protectionism and away from so-called free trade, which is more out just outsourcing. Um, not saying you don't have any trade deals. It'd be crazy. You have to have some, but you, you the terms of them are important. And the way they are now, they're massively biased in favor of corporations and against working people. Um, so I lean towards protectionism. But the way he's doing the tariffs, it's, it's not a question. It's flat out hurting working class Americans. Because when you crunch the numbers on it, all of the data now shows this. While there is job uh, creation in some specific industries, and I forget the exact ones, I think the steel industry is one, so some of the unions were in favor of these tariffs, which is understandable because, oh, for them, it's helping them, so I get it. Um, but there's actually, it's hurting other industries more than it is helping certain industries. I'll tell you what, this is probably going to, uh, you know, we're, what, one month away from the election now? Yes, and this and this is all going to play out, isn't it? Like uh, oh, massively, absolutely. Yeah, if we're talking about the areas where Donald Trump performed well to gain the presidency, and uh, if we're talking about um, potential other very vulnerable Republican areas, I mean, there is there's been talk about this blue wave. Whether it's going to happen or not, I have absolutely no idea. You know, maybe they even might be an opposite. Maybe they might be a red ray. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, the way it's looking right now, if you, I mean, the, the amount of people who got behind Trump, who believed that they were going to protect their jobs, um, were going to um, basically just you know, protect the American worker. If, if there is a sense now amongst those Trump supporters that there is a massive amount of betrayal... Uh, from from the uh, from from the Trump administration, you know who, the Republican Party is going to bear the bronze, and uh, this yeah, could this could it's true. Yeah, I mean, in regards to like Brett Kavanaugh, in regards to a few other things, you know, in regards to like net neutrality and stuff like that. I mean, unfortunately, it's too little, too late. But uh, in regards to how things could play out in the future, I mean, uh, I should have thought of that as well. Like, uh, I mean, I take some I take some sympathy. In regards to this kind of like this new wave of Democrats that are coming in right now, but keep in mind, you know, the the same old shit still still there. Like you know the uh, the kind of the old the old crusty you know people who you know, take money from lobbyists and uh, you know those those corrupt people. They're unfortunately still in in the thing. But uh, you know, on top of that, like there's um you know the the bright side of this is is that uh, I mean I don't know really. Like, I still feel like the Democrats and the Republicans are somewhat still corrupt parties, and uh, so in a way, I don't think there's really like. Uh, a massively bright side to it. The only people I kind of put my faith somewhat into, like the uh, kind of the, the newer breed of uh, of Democrat that seems to have uh, have occurred over the last uh, you know year or the last two years or so. And mm -hmm. the problem is that how much influence are they actually going to have in the party, and uh, is it still going to be you know the same people who think that you know Hillary was such a great candidate, you know? Right, like, uh, right. Yeah, I mean, are they, uh, I mean, who, basically, who's going to be ruling the roost of the Democrats? Is it going to be um, the, kind of like the uh, the Bernie Sanders wing of the uh, of progressives in uh, in in, Amer in America, or is it going to be the same people who you can't really tell between the Democrats and the Republicans? What basically what party they are? You know, is it those people or is it these other people that are starting to come in? You know, who knows at this point? So. If that <sighs> makes sense. So, you would know that Trump's tariffs actually were a success. If you went to the Rust Belt states that were directly affected by trade and you pulled them on the tariffs and then... Because remember, the Rust Belt voted for Trump. So it's not like they're, ooh, they have an anti-Trump animus, a bias or something. No. So anyway, I just want to pick up on this as well. Do you know, like, Jill Stein from the Green Party has been getting, like, so much hate recently and people are saying that they've 
bear her responsible for like Trump being in the White House right now. Like, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. But, 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 um, I actually do have a few friends who voted third party because they didn't like either of the candidates. And when Trump won the election, there were so many people who were saying, for those who voted third party, it's your fault that you know Trump won because your vote, your votes were pointless. Yeah, but this thing: nine percent of Democrats voted for Trump in the key areas. So, what's their explanation? And, and what about the two thirds who didn't vote at all? Yeah. I mean, remember that uh, you know that was a major reason why you know the the votes were so close was because nobody else voted. Well, we hadn't I mean, seen look, low look, votes look. like this since like the forties, and well, th the reason know. why the, was because the, people the, were in war. I mean, like, I mean, there was, uh, I mean, there's been technically there's been quite low. I mean, there's been far more higher turnouts in recent elections. I will give them that. Like, uh, there's been, but uh, I don't know. Like, uh, is, the big, big problem with um, the big problem with American democracy is, is that it's not just the people who turn out; it's the people who stay at home. Like, who's staying at home? That's the thing. Like, uh, are um, you know, are the Republicans now? I mean, obviously, Brett Kavanaugh and uh, some of the other things that have happened within, you know, uh, what they consider wins, quote unquote. You know, amongst the you know, the Trump MAGA crowd and uh, the uh, you know the other you know you know lunatics that are within that side side of politics. But in regards to uh, you know the the general like you know the the casual Republican base, if there's no appetite for them to go out and vote, then uh, you know they could potentially hand the uh, the election over to the Democrats. And uh, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is the thing that seems like to have played out. One of people who voted, weren't they like the older demographic as opposed to younger? Well, on that, yeah, on top of that as well, though, is that uh, it, the, the game that seems to be played in modern American politics right now is that who can stay home the most? Like, you know, who can they disenfranchise the most? Is it the Democrats, uh, the casual Democrat or the casual Republican? And uh, if it's the casual Republican, they can get them to stay, stay at home, then obviously then they... Uh, you know the, the Democrats have a chance, but if it's uh, you know the casual Democrat that stays at home, then obviously there's the Republicans who then have start having a chance uh, to uh, doing things, and so you know that's played out in the uh, the last general election. You know a lot of um, Democrats and uh, a lot of people who did not like Hillary Clinton. I would uh, you know even though I don't vote, I can't vote in the American election because obviously I'm British, but uh, you know I probably would class myself as that kind of person. You know someone who doesn't feel like I've never I never liked Hillary Clinton. For like you know, since uh, probably since two thousand and five, probably never since I've never listened to like Hillary Hillary Clinton at all. Like not as a senator, not as a secretary of state, not as uh, a public speaker, not as you know. She recently turned up in Belfast and uh, talking about oh, how uh, how awful Brexit is and stuff like that. But uh, at the same time, like uh, they, she doesn't seem to kind of recognize why Brexit happened in the first place. You mm. know, it's like uh, it's just there seems to be just this massive disconnect between you know the message and the person on the ground. And like, uh, I'd really like to see Hillary Clinton walk around some of the, uh, you know, some of the poorer estates of like, you know, in the in the West Midlands or in uh, some of the, you know, in some some working class areas in the north and see how, you know, how she would go down there. Like, mind you, probably we wouldn't go down at all because if we saw what happened in the last election, what uh, was it, Michigan? I think it was that she lost. And, uh, you know, yeah. they needed her to go down there and talk about jobs and talk about revitalizing, reforming the place. Instead, they got a Beyonce concert. You know, it's just, it's... Uh, it's ridiculous. So if you yeah, go to during that election, they really tried to get the celebrities to, you know, c convince people to vote. Yeah, like it's just uh, they they it was it was it was they 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 totally missed they tone deaf. I think the best way to describe it was tone deaf. I think in regards to the way they ran that campaign. The states and you ask them, hey, how are the tariffs working? And let's say sixty percent of people in the states in each respective state goes, yeah, I, they're working. They're good. 
well, then you'd know that his policies are actually having what's supposed to be the intended impact of um, helping working class Americans. But that's not the case. In every single Rust Belt state, the tariff policies are underwater. So more people dislike it than like it. That is, in my mind, definitive proof that the policies are failing. So the intended purpose, or what's supposed to be the intended purpose. Well, I mean, I'm going to meet in the middle of this one, and there's two things I want to bring up with this, and that is that, I mean, it's it's all right to say uh, to Paul all around and say, oh, hey, uh, do you feel like the tariffs are working? But uh, then not have actually any, uh, you know, statistical data, you know, uh, evidence that uh, they are working. So, I mean, you know, the way people feel about the tariffs and the way the, the tariffs are working, I guess, are two separate things. And so I don't think it's uh, necessarily safe to go on that assumption. But uh, then there's the um, the uh, the second thing, and that is that, um, you know, if the uh, the problem is that if the Democrats, you know, in those areas, if they are held by Republican uh, politicians, if Democrats don't count, don't leap on this opportunity, you know, for for that, then uh, and don't explain it, you know, in a, in a good way and make a good reasonable argument out of it, you know, the uh, the blue wave that everyone's talking about might not actually happen. So like, uh, right. there's there's still so many ways this can fall fall flat. And so it's, uh, yeah, I think um, it's uh, you know, if, uh, if the Democrats really want this, then they really need to go for it. And uh, if they're just going to basically pull out the same, you know, like, oh, well, you know, America was always great. And, uh, you know, it's like, oh, it's uh, we should have more, you know, um, we, sh we should just, uh, you know, do the whole identity politics and we should just do the whole, you know, uh, here's this race and here's that race, you know, and basically just uh, waffle on about uh, things that uh, people don't really, you know, aren't really on people's agenda right now when it comes to, like, uh, people wanting to basically just have a job and have a roof over their head and, uh, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, they have a f they their food is affordable and that, uh, you know, they can afford... They can afford rent, and they can you know, the bills are all you know can get paid for, and uh, they can basically just go about their lives. You know, bread and butter stuff. You know, stuff that goes around. You know, the, uh, the, the I know it's a bit of a um, um, a, a serious up right now. You kind of like the kitchen table debate. You know that, uh, that that whole thing that went down you know a couple of years ago. People, what well, people debate around the kitchen table. You know, I know it's a kind of a, a cliche that's kind of gone on in politics for uh, a good couple of years, but it's still relevant to this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think we'll get any more out of this. So I think uh, we'll probably move on. Um, okay. So here's another video. So uh, let's see what this is about. Okay, there is a Republican state representative in Minnesota named Dwayne Quam. Okay, so this is David Bagman, and uh, I know it's another left-wing commentator, but uh, we'll, um, I mean, it's just, uh, those are the videos we get put, get put in front of us, so uh, if you want to send us another video from another uh, right-wing or center of the ground or wherever commentator, then, you know, feel free to do, and uh, by the way, facebook.com forward slash Aaron Metzer Show, uh, Twitter is at Aaron Metzer Show, uh, if you want to send it through Tumblr, it's aaronmetzer.tumblr.com, and you can message me on youtube.com forward slash Aaron Metzer Show as well. So. And he seems like a really angry guy. He's running against Jamie Malberg, who's female. And Jamie Malberg is giving him a run for his money. Quam uh, has been the incumbent, and he's been in for four terms. He's the Republican. Jamie Malberg is the Democrat. They had a debate where they had to share a microphone, which sounds crazy. It's not ideal. But in local races, these sorts of things can happen at debates where even though you've got two candidates, there's just one microphone available, and you've got to pass it back and forth. Uh, Jamie Quam got, a, I'm sorry, not, not uh, Jamie Quam, Dwayne Quam. I cr uh, combined their names. Dwayne Quam got a turn answering a question. Then it was Jamie Malberg's turn to respond. And as she finishes speaking, 
Quam rips the microphone from her hand and she sort of jumps or startles and it's all on video. Let's take a look and you can hear the crowd sort of gasp taken aback when he grabs the mic out of her hand. Okay. That formula increases over time uh, with deflation. Thank you. Oh, I see a rebuttal is required. Thank you. Those are not bad, really. Hmm. I mean, should we just play that again? Like, uh, it was just... Over a... time, um, with deflation. Thank you. Oh, I see a rebuttal is required. Thank you. The problem we've... And also, it's not that, the moderator called, called it as well, so he was well within his means to have the microphone. I mean, I guess maybe she expected to maybe, like, pass the microphone or maybe just put the microphone down for him to grab, not for him to just immediately grab it, you know? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'll tell you this. I think he's a bit... He was a bit ambitious, I think, for his... Uh, I think he definitely wanted to get his his word in, and I think uh, I think he kind of threw caution to the wind, really, and just went for <laughs> went for the microphone to basically just to talk to everybody, not realizing that, uh, you know, he, he's, in, he's on camera in the middle of a crowd on a live mic. You know, like, on top of that as well, if it's on radio, it doesn't play out very well either, because it, it makes you think there's a scuffle going on. Right, you know? right. So, yeah. And other people on the podcast, they probably think there's a scuffle going on right now, because he described the way that David Bagman's described it. Got in education is we are funding failure. <laughs> so he I'm putting a pretty dumb response to that as well. Like, uh, we're funding failure. Like, uh, <laughs> He gives this very angry rebuttal, which also was just terrible policy. I mean, his education policy is also terrible, but maybe we'll get to that. Okay, we'll take your word for it, David Pakman. But I know we know you definitely come from a particular, you know, political bias, but whatever. And then when he's done with this rebuttal, he goes to hand the mic back to Jamie Malberg, and she doesn't immediately take it. She just sort of seems to want nothing to do with this guy. And he tosses the mic at her. And if you're listening to what we're about to play and not watching it, like if you're listening on the radio or, or on the audio podcast, you're going to hear a crashing sound. And that's him throwing a live microphone onto the table in front of Jamie Malberg. Take a look. And the formula builds in funding failure. Okay. Thank you for the rebuttal. And so into the next question. Um... <laughs> um, controversy? Hmm. Is that? I mean, he could have just, like, put it down for her to grab. Do you know what I think he probably did? He probably, like, you know, microphones have, like, the switches on them? So, like, yeah. he probably switched the microphone off, and then when he handed it to her, and then he thought, oh, I had it switched off, so I'll just, you know, toss it to the uh, to the table. But no, I don't think that was that. I mean, uh, again, we, we know no context to this. This has basically just been handed to us in the format that it is, but I don't know, like, I don't really see the controversy here. Maybe I'm just... Uh, I just think that uh, this is. I just think that maybe he just. Um, I don't know. Like maybe there is some bad blood between these politicians. Maybe there is, and uh, maybe there's. Uh, you know, maybe he acted out of order and uh, during the whole thing. But you know, we've we've not seen the whole debate, and we've not seen any of the context in regards to this. So you know, in regards to like you know hounding the mic and she just uh, you know not wanting to take it and he just decides oh, okay then I'll just put it down somewhere. Like you know, it's like he didn't exactly throw it at her, did he? Like, yeah, mm, yeah. I mean, like, I guess, I, I mean, you know, he, if he's a politician trying to, you know, state some things that he thinks that is very important for our country, then, you know, he should have done it with a little bit more class and respect. Probably, yeah, I think uh, he probably should have. Uh, yeah, I think I, th I don't think he I don't think he does this very often, which is kind of worrying for someone who's uh, going for a political political office. 
when you think about it. Like, you would think you would be uh, given at least a little bit of training of basically how to act in front of people. A little bit, so. Um, it's from the floor. What a disgusting human being, and I, I... I wouldn't go that far, Dave. I mean, I would say that he's not very well trained in, like, you know, being in public, but... I don't know, I'm not going to judge him based on purely on that. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure... I was watching this. I don't know how many people have seen the film Office Space, the cult classic hmm. Office Space. This guy's physical appearance reminds... And his demeanor reminds me of a cross between Milton from Office Space <laughs> and Tom from Office Space. We have a side-by-side... -side. Have you ever watched Office Space? I mean, no. I, I, I know about The Office, but not Office Space. Okay. Side-by-side... <laughs> That I, that I made yesterday, and you'll see Dwayne Dwayne Quam on the left, uh, Milton from Office Space in the. I'm sorry, this is stupid. Maybe we should have put, we should have put this in stupid news. I think. Mm. Uh, yeah, because it's like it's like it's um not really. That, I mean, like maybe I don't know. Like uh, it's just it's uh it's kind of hard to comment on without knowing the kind of whole the whole story of basically what's going on. Because uh, I mean, the only thing we've got basically is uh, he he probably he snatched the microphone off her, which you know, yeah, I think he probably should have apologized for that, maybe. And then he obviously could, he tried to hand the microphone back. She obviously knowing that he'd snatched the microphone off him, she he'd snatched the microphone off her, decided not to take it, and decided to uh, uh, maybe maybe just you know maybe maybe piss him off a little bit, I guess. And then he just kind of like you know, angrily threw the microphone on the table. Not actually. Yeah, answer. but you can't act like a child, and you know when when you're talking to a bunch of people when you're being filmed live, and you're a politician, and you're trying to bring upon some um, issues that need to be resolved. It's like, come on, man, like act a little bit more respectful. No, I agree on that, I guess. And uh, but uh, uh, I don't know. I just think I was expecting like you know the microphones be actually be thrown at her, like you know he, like he angrily picked up the microphone and like threw it like at her head or something like that, you know. Like something like you know a bit I don't know, a bit more elaborate really but uh, yeah I don't know I just think it's I think it's just something that's you know the kind of can just shrug off and just say oh what a what a dick you know yeah yeah I don't think there was too much to that really but uh, yeah oh well let's uh, move on to uh, other news so um, there was a Supreme Court ruling in Britain not in America so uh, you know we do have, we have a Supreme Court over here as well and uh, it was in regards to uh, this uh, this cake. That was baked by a, uh, well, was going to be baked by a Northern Irish baker. And uh, by the way, this is a replica of the cake. It's not actual the, the cake that uh, was actually produced by this baker. Because they what happened was um, this uh, Christian bakery decided to uh, refuse service to um, a gay activist to uh, bake uh, a cake with, uh, sorry, uh, Bert and Ernie on the front. And it's saying, uh, support gay marriage in queer space born 1998. And so um, they, they, this all went up to court, and it turns out the uh, the Supreme Court backs the Christian couple who declined to uh, ice the cake with support gay marriage on the cake. Um, the Supreme Court's reaffirmed principles that businesses must uh, serve all customers, regardless of sexual orientation, gender, race, or creed. But even if it did so, it delivered a sharp rebuff to a public body which claimed that the principle had been violated by Christian-owned bakery in Belfast. So, basically what it is, is, is that, uh, they can't turn down service for gay people, but they say, but, uh, they can't, they can also refuse to have certain slogans pasted on cakes. If that makes sense. No, it doesn't make sense. Okay, well, 
Um, the judge accepts Baker's uh, contention that they were simple, simply acting on line with their beliefs, and when they declined the uh, decorated cake with the uh, slogan, support gay marriage, quote-unquote, the ruling marked the end of the four-year legal battle with uh, Gareth Lee, a gay rights activist. He argued he suffered uh, illegal discrimination when his order was turned away. His case uh, ha- was uh, backed by the uh, Statutory uh, Equality Commission for Northern Ireland. Uh, Daniel and Amy MacArthur, who run the bakery, had argued that their own deep right to deeply held beliefs uh, would have been quote-unquote extinguished if they were forced to uh, uh, propagate a message uh, that offended their conscience. They insisted that uh, they were happy to uh, provide Mr. Lee with any other service and that uh, the uh, message he requested was one they only would be refused regardless of who asked for it. So, um, so, I mean, they couldn't turn him down for, like, saying that if you want a cake made, then, you know, they, they couldn't refuse him not to make a cake if he paid for it. But uh, if they uh, basically the Supreme Court said if they they if they made him a cake but iced it with uh, that message on it then uh, they they basically are allowed to say sorry here's your money back we're not going to make you the cake and uh, yeah. uh, here's yeah, the thing about this the whole Chick Fil A thing about how you know people in Chick Fil A didn't want to serve you know gay people their food or whatever it's like. Uh, really? Well, here's the thing about it. I mean, like, because if Chick-fil-A was in the UK and they refer- refused to sh- serve a, 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 a chicken to, like, a, you know, lesbians or something, obviously then that would violate the, uh, that would violate the law and then they would be taken to court and be probably sued to oblivion because of it, because they turned around and uh, done that in, uh, in the UK. So in the UK, I think they can, they can obviously, you know, they, they, they wouldn't have a leg to stand on in that. But if they asked for chicken that basically had, like, you know, were, oh, uh, uh, you know, had gay love, like, sp- you know, spreading, like, ketchup or anything like that, or something like that, I think, uh, apparently that would be going, you know, a step too far, apparently, for, uh, the Supreme Court. So, uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just been four years of craziness, really, with the, in regards to this. And, uh, in regards to myself, like, um, I mean, I don't know how to feel about it, really. It's like, uh, I think, uh, yeah, if it was up to me, if I was a bakery and there was a cake, you like, and they said, oh, put this on it, it's like, you know, just get on with it and then just get out the door. You know, like, uh, you know, it's, uh, I get there's probably going to be people saying, well, what if they made a, you know, um, what if they made like a, a, you know, a Nazi cake, basically saying, you know, gas the Jews or something like that, you know, like, and have that written all up on the cake, you know, obviously that, that would be a bridge too far for me. I definitely wouldn't make that cake. But, you know, support gay marriage is, uh, I, I don't know, like, uh, I don't think that's, I don't think it was that big of a deal just to, you know, just to make the cake and, uh, you know, just get out the door and, hey, we've got your money. You know, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, it could have been worse, like you said, make a Nazi cake. Yeah, the, the, but, the, the Nazi cake, I think, probably would have um, would have been a bridge too far, I think. But uh, you know, in regards to like making a cake uh, with a uh, with a slogan on it, like you, you know, it's uh, you're getting paid to do it. Like uh, I don't know, maybe there was a I I don't I don't see the reason why they get so uh, so. I, I mean, I get you know if they if the Supreme Court went the other way. And, you know, then you got, like, you know, Nazis walking in saying, I want a swastika cake. You know, I think, obviously, then that would be... Uh, I think all sorts of problems would then come across of that. So I, I can see that side of it, but uh, I don't know. I just think it's um, I just think it's a crazy thing over a cake, really. Maybe this belongs in stupid yeah. news again. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> We're getting unintentional stupid news, aren't we? Yeah, we are. So I mean, that's not until the end of the show. So, uh, but yeah, I, as, as far as I'm aware... Um, you know this. Uh, if, if it looks to me like if a bakery turned around to me and said, "Oh, sorry, we don't want to make you that cake for this, that, and the other," I just take my business somewhere else. Like mm-hmm. you know, as I say, "Hey, okay, I'll go to the baker down the other place and get my cake made there." You know, so uh, right, right, exactly. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, I'm sure we're going to hear more about that as, uh, at some point, no doubt. Uh, let's move on to entertainment news, and uh, I guess it kind of crosses with news a little bit, but uh, have you heard what's going on in Saudi Arabia right now? Yeah, let's, let's see what's going on. Okay, so um, this is Crown Jewel's going to be taking place in WWE, and I'm not going to be watching it because, you know, I'm, I'm, I, there's all sorts of human rights violations in Saudi Arabia right now. I don't feel... Uh, morally obliged to, uh, to to watch this show, but uh, uh, WWE is um, caught on to uh, the uh, the recent news of the uh, assassination of the uh, the journalist in Turkey at the uh, Saudi Arabian consulate, and uh, well, there's been an alleged killing, and uh, uh, WWE has issued a statement in regards to the situation. So uh, let me just see if we can get the uh, uh, the statement up so we can uh, take WWE side of it. Um, so basically, WWE is in a tough situation right now as the mainstream media co- coverage picks up uh, on the Washington Post column, a columnist, uh, Jim al uh who is uh, believed to have been uh, killed in the uh, direction of the Saudi Arabian Crown Prince on Tuesday. Uh, for those of you not keeping up with the story, uh, Kagaki, uh, sorry, it's uh, Kashogi, I think is the way you pronounce it, uh, went to the Saudi consulate and never came back out. One theory being floated around is that he was killed in the consulate and then dismembered before his body was disposed of. Uh, WWE said on on the statement saying we're monitoring the situation. So uh, not really much of a statement, really, just saying we're monitoring the situation. But uh, I don't know, like it, it, it kind of makes me feel like you know WWE shouldn't really be doing shows like this, to be honest with you. And some of that as well, like they've got the uh, that they got that women's only pay per view coming up, WWE Evolution. Like uh, you know, going back to Saudi Arabia for a second time, where women. Uh, are not um, like we were reported last week. Like uh, there's still the guardianship currently going on in Saudi Arabia. So uh, you know, for a company that's supposed to be promoting, you know, uh, oh, uh, women's wrestlers and stuff now, and uh, putting them on the same platform as uh, as male wrestlers, this is kind of a step backwards, really, to uh, have Crown Jewel still going on with all this craziness still happening. Yeah, yeah. why can't they move it somewhere else? Like on the other, I mean, here's the thing: like they're doing all these shows in Saudi Arabia. It's like, and uh, you know, the UK has never had like a massive uh, WWE show for a very long time. Like, I'm sure we're due for a WrestleMania at least. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, it would be great. All the people from Europe would come over to, you know, let's say if they put it in Wembley Stadium or hell, they even put it in Germany. Like, uh, like even if they, st- even though they're looking like in Belarus or something like that. Like, you know, I'm sure, you know, millions upon millions of WWE fans would descend upon it to uh, go go watch it. You know, so. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, um, like, uh, I don't know, maybe they might move Crown Jewel to, uh, given that uh, Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un are on good uh, terms, or somewhat good terms now, maybe they might host it in North Korea. I don't know, it's like, uh, yeah, but uh, I'm sure we're going to find out soon enough whether Crown Jewel's actually going to go ahead or not, or whether they're actually going to move it somewhere else. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's uh, play another video, so uh, are you ready for this one? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Um, following the preview has been approved for the appropriate audiences by the Motion Association of America, apparently. So, uh, except this show, it's like, you know, we'll do whatever the hell we want. There's a disturbance in the force. Can you feel it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so for those of you on the podcast here, basically it's uh, a very very vast amount of desert and also Agrabah in the background. For those of you who do not know, this is actually the Aladdin trailer. 
Yeah. So, uh, um, Although it makes it look like it's the Prince of Persia sequel. I tell you what, it actually does. And uh, I tell you what, it actually looks it looks a bit more epic than some of the other live action Disney films that we've got. You know, just on just on that scene alone. So like, it mm-hmm. looks pretty vast. I guess Iago's a silent protagonist in this. I guess so. I guess we're going Return of Jafar in this movie. The Cave of Wonders looks kind of cool. Like, uh, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's as cool as the other time they had the Cave of Wonders. Like, you know, if you remember in the uh, beginning, it was uh, the the whole, um, you know, uh, um, what's it called? The uh, little jewel that they put together and then he like... Uh, flew off and um, then made up this like huge cave and here yeah, it looks yeah. like it's just kind of there really I mean it, 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 look, it literally looks like a cave yeah and there is more than meets the eye very funny. I, I, it makes sense because, you know, Frank Welker it was the voice of the Cave of Wonders and he's doing his, um, you know, Dr. Claw and Megatron voice from Transformers. I'll get you, Aladdin, next time. <laughs> That's a lot of booty. Oh, no. <laughs> B- bad Aaron, bad. Yeah, and uh, it's like, uh, yeah, you can... Uh, i tell you what, the Cave of Wonders actually looks kind of cool. You know, with all that yeah, treasure in there and everything. And uh, I don't know, like, it doesn't look as... Va- I mean, it, the Cave of Wonders, I think, in Aladdin in the 92 film actually looks a lot more, um, you know... Oh, sorry, 90, is it 94 or 92? Yeah, it was 92. 92 okay, I'm right. So, uh, the yeah, the Aladdin in 92 was... Um, I don't know, it was a bit more... I think it was a bit bigger than this to me. Maybe the yeah. maybe it is going to look a bit bigger. I don't know, but... It, uh, it, uh, yeah, we're only getting a glimpse of it, but uh, I guess they wanted to make it a little bit more realistic. Like, oh, it's a cave. Um, you know, it's not, you know, going to be as massive so maybe let's make it like smaller yeah why don't make it more gold yeah i want more gold (laughs) 24th of uh, may of uh, 2019 yeah okay so uh, I guess we've got a bit to, to get excited to for for, um, for for Disney because what we've got uh, Aladdin coming up, we've got Toy Story four coming up uh, within yep. I guess somewhere in that time. Yep, and the, the Avengers four. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so uh, I guess uh, yes. Yeah, so, but here's the thing: like uh, the thing that worries me about this is that uh, I mean, and I know they're probably holding off, but uh, I'm a bit worried about what Will Smith is going to look like as the genie. 
Oh like, man. Imagine it, if they it, you know how in Robin how Robin Williams did a lot of like various uh, pop culture references to himself in the third Aladdin movie. I cannot yeah. imagine like the genie, you know, portraying as like, you know, his characters from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or Men in Black or uh, <laughs> Independence Day. Yeah. It's just I'm a bit worried that uh, you know when uh, I'm just worried that when he rubs that lamp and then how comes how comes not the genie but just like Will Smith from like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air it's like do, 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 do. It's like, hey, what's up, Bonneville? Like, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like, hey, where's Carlton at? You know, like, uh, I, just, I just don't know. I just, uh, I'm a little bit concerned about what they, I mean, I would be, I think I'd feel a bit more at home. I think if they basically said, okay, we're going to paint Will Smith in blue and we're going to do concept work with him and, uh, you know, this is what he's going to look like. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it might be, uh, maybe it might be th- uh, 3D animated in this. Maybe it might, uh, you know, maybe they might actually make him into like you know this uh, giant puff of smoke, maybe like kind of like what the genie was. I yeah, yeah, that. or or maybe they will like dress the genie up as like a normal person, like they did in the uh, the Broadway musical. Yeah, yeah. So uh, either way, we're gonna find out soon enough, no doubt. So yeah, uh, I'll just let you know that it's gonna be a million times better than Kazam. <laughs> oh, can you imagine if he came out and started rapping. Oh, gee. Let's breed eggs and ham it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um. Let's uh see what else, what else we got. Um. So yeah, there's um there's a live action trailer for um for Aladdin, and uh, also we have got some Nickelodeon news, uh, also uh, to talk to you about as well. Um. So Nickelodeon is uh, delivering on trick or treats with Halloween themed programming, and uh, yeah, it's a bit soon to be talking about Halloween a little bit, I guess. But uh, we're we're pretty about two weeks away, I guess, from it. So well, uh, let's uh, talk about what Nickelodeon is going to do. So, um, on Monday 8th of October, they got, so, I mean, we've passed that now, but uh, they've uh, currently got a Paw Patrol, um, Pups on the Trick-or-Treaters, and uh, Pups uh, Save Out of Mine, a Mini can Patrol. So, they're doing some Paw Patrol uh, stuff. They're also doing some Henry Danger and uh, some uh, a Bureau of Magical Things uh, Halloween specials as well. So, uh, they're really happy that. And also, uh, they're doing Loud House Jeers of Fears on the 11th, which was uh, two days ago. And, uh, yeah, they're just uh, doing, uh, and also they're doing uh, Rise of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is also going to get a, uh, I think also going to get a Halloween-themed episode as well. So, uh, mind you, uh, do we say they're kind of monsters in themselves, so they're kind of like, uh, kind of Halloween already, in a way? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even the 2012 TMNT kind of had like a um, a monster-themed episode with, you know, a reference to aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Power Rangers Ninja Steel is going to be also... Doing that as well, and uh, Double Dare is also going to be doing the Electro Eradicators versus the Twinning Team. Uh, in this Halloween special, uh, friends of the uh, twins of the series uh, of a classic challenge with a spooky twist, and one of them gets a complete and ghostly final round. So uh, even even Double Dare is getting in on the action. So, yeah, which they rarely do. Back in the '80s, I think that they did have like a Christmas special, but yeah, not for any of the other holidays. Mm-hmm. Well, they're definitely getting one now. Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, uh, you know, the Night Paddy, I think, is probably like part for, part for the course. I guess for SpongeBob SquarePants having a Halloween themed episode, and uh, also includes Safari, uh, Becca's Beach, uh, Shimmer and Shine, also were uh, within the uh, the Fridays building up to. Uh, um, uh, I tell you what, one thing I've noticed is that uh, remember back in, I remember back in the day they used to do the Monster Madness uh, 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 spe- specials. Uh, yeah, back they, in, they used uh, back to have like Nick Retreat. Yeah, so uh, for us to be the Monster Madness, so they would do um, um, uh, Tales from the Crypt Keeper, Are Real Monsters, and Are You Afraid of the Dark? And uh, they would basically just do like a massive uh, load of episodes for them on uh, on, fr- on Friday evenings. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. 
So uh, and uh, so I guess uh, I guess this is kind of like the uh, the um, well the uh, legacy of uh, Nick or Treat, I guess of what they're doing here. So uh, yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure for the younger people, they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm excited for you know this episode of The Loud House and Welcome to the Wayne and SpongeBob and Henry Danger and Power Rangers and TMNT about how they're going to do their Halloween special. So that's good for them. Yeah, cool. Um, some EA news. Uh, coming up, and that is that uh, Electronic Arts is exploring uh, potentially a Command & Conquer series, uh, remaster of the 25th anniversary. Yes, and if it doesn't do very well, then EA has every right to never do another game of it again. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm still really angry at EA for closing Westwood Studios, because uh, I mean, there was a kind of a, uh, a feeling that Westwood was still knowing what they were doing, and I get, you know, at the time EA was basically just gobbling up developments and shutting them down and things, and then just uh, taking their properties and stuff, and uh, now they're basically just making loads of money out of it, you know, basically. You know, I've got to be honest, the last Command & Conquer thing, related thing I think I bought was uh, when they re-released uh, Red Alert 2, I think, a couple of years ago, and uh, I don't think I've ever bought another Command & Conquer game since then, so, uh, you know, it's... Uh, and, you know, I I loved Command and Conquer back in the day. I played Command. I played. Uh, I'm, I'm more a fan of the Red Alert series than I am the um, the other Command and Conquer games. I'm not really into like the uh, the Brotherhood of Nod games or anything like that, or the ones with Kane in them. Like uh, mm-hmm. I'm more into uh, the ones with uh, you know the ones where uh, the Soviet Union and the Allies are all fighting each other, and there's no uh, Nazi Germany to uh, kind of like uh, act as an in between. So uh, yeah, and, and EA they have to really get themselves back in the horse in terms of good games because last year pretty much every single top 10 worst games list was either Mass Effect Andromeda or Battlefront 2 with the whole loot crate thing so yeah yeah well, EA think, needs to really pick themselves up again. Well, I guess they'll uh, get an opportunity. I think when uh, Nick to- when a game mill releases uh, Nicktoon Kart Races, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I tell you what, actually, you know Nickelodeon Kart Races. Apparently, a lot of fans are starting to uh, get really concerned about it right now. Uh, you know the kart racing game, Nickelodeon yeah, kart racing. Yeah, we, we talked about that on the show. Yeah, right, because you know, Game Mill Entertainment people have finally discovered that uh, they were the same company that made that uh, um, uh, uh, that race that truck racing game. You know the one that like scored like uh, got a, somehow got a, like a, a zero percent zero percent oh, on. Oh uh, no! You're talking IGN. about big rigs, aren't you? Big rig, yeah, big rigs. That was that game, yeah. So <laughs> they made that. I cannot wait to play as SpongeBob, and I'm going to drive backwards so fast it's going to break the laws of gravity. Here's the thing about this though: like, when was when was Big Rigs released? It was like that was years ago, wasn't it? Now 2003. 2003, yeah, because I'm sure they had an opportunity to move on from that. Like, uh, you know, I'm sure there's been other game companies in the past that have been known for not making such great, great games, and all of a sudden they come out with a classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they have, but, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, everybody has already made fun of Big Rigs at this point. Yeah. It is like the room of video games. <laughs> yeah. Oh, can you imagine they had Tommy Wiseau as a drivable character in, uh, or Tommy Wiseau truck in Big Rigs? Like, you know, that yes. would be, yeah. Oh, hi, car. Please <laughs> get out of the way so I can drive against your... <laughs> Um, Nintendo news. Now, uh, Nintendo has added three more games to its uh, Switch Online lineup, and that includes also a, a special save data for The Legend of Zelda that's also been released as well. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot about that save feature, and a lot of people are actually pretty angry about it, mm-hmm. saying like, oh, you're you're watering down a classic. It's yeah. like... You know, for a lot of young kids, they can't play Legend of Zelda because it's so difficult. Yeah, it's like, uh, but uh, you know, it's uh, again like, uh, well, we, we've had we've had emulators for years, 
and like we've had safe states from then and i know some people aren't fa- aren't fans of uh save states and stuff like that but uh, you know there's a lot of young gamers now that are you know kind of like rely on them so you know i don't understand why you probably want to take that away from them i know for the challenge of the game and stuff but uh i i, I don't know maybe they should maybe they maybe they shouldn't you know be having safe features maybe maybe they should just play the game the way it should be i think i uh, mean it's very difficult because um, Aaron, uh, tell me a game that um, you know you grew up with, but you know deep down that a younger gamer won't get into it because it's maybe the are the the game mechanics are a bit archaic. Um, ooh. I guess Marco's Magic Football, or Magic, Marco's Magic Soccer Ball. Okay, okay. Um, let's just say that you know that uh, that football game. Uh, and I'm using the European term, so yeah, sorry, Americans. <laughs> anyway, I'm using. Let's just say that you know you have that football game, and there's a lot of mechanics like passing the ball or you know trying to do uh, a bit of strategy that maybe something like FIFA has able to uh, better over time. So maybe if you introduced your uh, a younger person to that, maybe they'll be like, oh. Um, you know, I don't know who any of these people are. You know, where are the newer players? And, you know, yeah. this, you know, the the way that the game is played is a little bit stiff and it doesn't flow well, very then well. Then I'll probably argue then, uh, instead of like release, saying that you're releasing like the classic game, you know, just say you're, like, you're releasing a, re- I think a better way of selling it would be, uh, let's say you're releasing a remastered version of the game. So uh, you're not saying it's not it's not the original game it's remastered so like you know it has safe features it has like you know different weapons and things like that so I think that probably might be a better sell than saying that oh we're going to release the classic game but oh by the way you can save because okay, mm-hmm. then you kind of like cause you're kind of giving the impression that there's some uh, you know it's going to be like the original thing when it actually in actual fact it's not. You know, right, so, right, right, right. And, and and here's the thing, like Legend of Zelda, you know, you could save in the original NES game. The only thing that they're doing different is that they're giving you a lot of rupees and they're giving you items right off the bat. Mm, I, I don't know about it. They shouldn't really be doing that, really. Like, because that's not that's not the original Legend of Zelda. Like, exactly. Uh, yeah. That's why a lot of people were so irritated. It's like, what? I spent hours looking for that item. Why do you, you? Why are younger gamers getting that item right away? It's all about I the know. exploration. It's about the adventure. I know. It's like uh, I don't know. I think they're probably. I think they're probably afraid that kids are going to get bored of it before they even find it. Well, because you keep yeah, in mind, like the, the problem is that, that now uh, with the way technology is now, it's like they can if they want something uh, pretty instantly, they can go off and get it. So, like, and uh, if they're going to be feeling like, oh, well, I've got to spend, you know, hours on end searching around a, uh, you know, a, a really old game, and, um, you know, they're not going to find what they're looking for, but, you know, they're, they can't you know, they can't be asked to try, then they're just going to go put down that game and go find something else, which is a lot easier. Like, you know, probably go, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, if, if you're a kid and you're wanting to get into Zelda, the first game I probably wouldn't recommend, I'd probably recommend, like, some of the newer games, like, maybe... Um, I don't know, like, uh, like. Well, let's see, what would be like a, a first good Zelda game to introduce to kids? Why not? Why, why not introduce Ocarina of Time? Like Ocarina of Time is yeah, a classic. Ocarina of Time 3DS. That that that'd be a good one. Well, yeah, like uh, not even the 3DS game, just the Nintendo 64 game. I'm sure they can play that. Like, uh, I, 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 and, uh, before everyone starts making the joke of like, oh well, when you introduce them to the controller, they think they'll need three hands to play it with. It's like you know, it's like. <laughs> It's. Uh, I mean, come on, guys. Give, give let, let, Let's give our younger generation some credit. You know, like uh, to how, how, how to play these things. So yeah, sure. I, yeah, I, I think Ocarina of Time is a good way to introduce Zelda. You know, you can explore and you can learn about the story and go switching between the two worlds. Yeah, I think that'll be a, a good game to start off with. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and you know, with, with personally for me as a, as a Metroid fan, I would not introduce kids to the original Metroid unless it was in the form of Metroid Zero Mission. Well, my my well, mm, that's interesting actually, because yeah, Metroid was a bit of a maze, I think, uh, for the original NES game. But mind you, they're not released that yet on the Switch. I think eventually they might do, but uh, right now the ones that they've uh, released on uh, the Switch right now is uh, NES Open Tournament Golf, uh, Solomon's Key, and Super Dodgeball. Okay. So. Uh, I tell you what, I looked at Super Dodgeball, and I don't know why, I immediately thought of Super Monkey Ball, which, you know, <laughs> shame on me, which I shouldn't be thinking about that stuff like that at my age, but, uh, yeah. Um, so, Nintendo Online Switch launched on September 18th and offers access to online connectivity features, including cooperative and multi -co competitive multiplayer for, and for Switch games like Mario Kart 8, uh, Splatoon 2, and Mario Tennis Aces, uh, a sub subscription, total subscription for Nintendo, where uh, Switch Online costs $19.99. So, uh, yeah, uh, mind you, it's like it's it's the prices are going to add up to basically keeping these online consoles online now because you got Xbox uh, One, which now if you have a gold account, you have to pay about uh, what thirty nine ninety nine for, and then you've got uh, another twenty nine ninety now you got another nineteen ninety nine on top of that. So for online play for both your Xbox and your Nintendo console, you're going to end up paying like sixty bucks a year. Yeah, like it's. Uh, He's like, it's kind of like one of the situations. And so that as well, like, you've got, like, the W, you know, I pay for the WWE Network and I've got a Spotify account. And, like, you know, like, all these, like, subscriptions are great, are great ideas, but sooner or later, you know, people are going to get fed up having to, like, you know, choose between all their subscriptions. And uh, soon someone's going to have to come around and say, okay, well, we're going to give you all this entertainment and we're all going to give you, like, for an efficient price. I guarantee you that's probably going to cause all sorts of problems for all sorts of companies. I think yeah, we'll yeah, doing true. That. especially since there's a lot of companies that want to go over to having their own streaming service. We talked about Disney's streaming service that they want to do. You know, they, they're basically removing all of their um, Marvel movies off of Netflix. Yeah. So they can be able to have their own streaming site. You know, I think uh, Nintendo is making, I think he's missing out on an opportunity here. Like, uh, um, you know, Nintendo Switch is currently flying off the shelves at the minute for uh, for Nintendo at the moment. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's that uh, stereotypical, you know, like, uh, you know, see the money flying out of the machine saying, it prints money like uh, like most of Nintendo consoles. You see, you see like, every time Nintendo seems to release a console, it seems to be like a gif of like you know money flying out of it, and uh, you know uh, um, all the Nintendo executives kind of dancing in the background and saying it prints money. And like, uh, you ever seen that graphic at all? Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah, I have seen it. Like the when the Wii was becoming like really popular. Yeah, you had that little gif of Shigeru Miyamoto and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just oh basically laughing while the while it prints money. Yeah, and uh, you know, like they did the same thing with the Nintendo Switch as well because it's it's, it's doing so well uh, at the minute. But uh, yeah, imagine this. Imagine you have all this uh, power over you know with Nintendo Switch line. You know, and definitely with Christmas coming up, definitely there's going to be kids out there asking for Nintendo Switches. But uh, imagine what it's going to be. Imagine what it would be like if Nintendo turned around in one of the Nintendo Direct conferences and says, "Okay, guys, um, have you got a Netflix account?" Well, you're going to be able to watch Netflix on your Nintendo Switch. There will probably be war, civil wars going on for uh, like uh, for people holding Nintendo Switches, trying to get hold of them. I guarantee you, it would be uh, it would be huge if they did something like that, where they say, "Okay, not only are you going to be able to play games on this thing, you know, if you're a bit bored, like uh, halfway through, you're going to be able to watch a movie as well." Yeah. yeah, and also it's going to be difficult for like exclusivity. You know, it's like, oh, I want to watch Stranger Things, but it's available only on Netflix. Oh, uh, I want to watch the the Tick series, but it's only available on Amazon. I want to watch this thing, but it's only available on that thing. So yeah, like exclusivity, especially if you want to pay for like a particular subscription, it, it's really hard. Yeah. 
Like okay. my dad, you know, he has the CBS access where he gets to watch Star Trek and, you know, and we have Netflix as well. So it's okay. it's all about like juggling to see like which one is a bigger priority for you to catch up on. Mm-hmm. Hey, Patricia, do you remember Sega? Yeah, yeah I, I think well, I do. A like, long time ago. Yeah, it's I not like, like we did a podcast on Sega a few months ago or anything like that. No, it's like it was. Uh, yeah, we did. Actually, we did do that, didn't we? I mean, actually, kind of. It's like, uh, but you know, like um, we haven't really heard too much about them since. Like, uh, I mean, I've, I've, I know Game Grumps have been playing like all the Sonic, really bad Sonic games recently, like Sonic Boom and things like that, and uh, various like this mm-hmm. story games and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, uh, I've been um, I've been looking at uh, so basically saying, oh, gee, I wonder what Sega's up to at the moment. So uh, Sega Europe is actually moving its uh, quality assurance team from London to uh, Sofia in Bulgaria. Wow, okay. So, yeah, yeah, so they say it's nothing to do with Brexit, but uh, they're basically just saying that Bulgaria apparently has uh, been really high-tech with IT, and so they think their quality assurance is probably better off over there. Well, you kind of like, well... What's been, what's been a really good Sega game recently? Uh, let's see, Sonic Mania. Sonic Mania, yeah, I guess. But uh, that was kind of like uh, they looked at the fans and said, "Oh yeah, maybe we should do that," and actually listened to the fans for once about what they should do with the Sega game. That's but, true. Okay, so that doesn't that doesn't really count because mm. fans you know, like Christian Whitehead made that game, so not yeah. really Sega. So, um. Yeah, I can't really think of. I mean, yeah, I, I, I got, I got nothing. No. So, uh, but uh, yeah, basically, this is what Sega's up to at the moment. So, Sega Europe's moving over from uh, London to Bulgaria, and they're saying it's nothing to do with Brexit, it's just like that. So, we think Bulgaria's better at doing um, quality assurance than London is, which uh, is uh, kind of a bit worrying that an Eastern European country is now, uh, you know, eclipsing, or at least in Sega's mind, that uh, they're uh, apparently doing better at quality assurance than uh, than those other people. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okay. Uh, right, so um, we're going to wrap this up uh, pretty quickly, and uh, I don't really want to focus too much on the stupid news, really, because we had a lot of stupid news, but uh, anyway, there's this. So there's a white supremacist who uh, did this mailing campaign called Punish a Muslim Day. And, <sighs> and uh, you go, well, we imagine that it didn't go down very well with the police. Oh, so. really? <laughs> yeah, really. And so they arrested him, and now he's admitted that he's been, or allegedly admitted that he's been behind the campaign. So a white supremacist who be behind the Punisher Muslim, Muslim Dame letters, who encouraged murder and sent hoax letters to the Queen, Theresa May, and David Cameron, is facing years behind bars today. Uh, David pa- uh, Parnham, 35, uh, targeted Asian MPs, uh, high-profile political figures, royalty, and Muslim centers across Finsbury Park Mosque and um, with a few hundred poison pen letters threatening uh, violence, which uh, stretched over two years. Uh, Among the the victims was Tory Pair and former Minister uh, Lord Ahmed of Wimbledon. So he basically went on this massive... um, um, campaign and uh, he signed off the letters to Asian MPs with uh, Mosque as uh, so-called mu- as quote-unquote Muslim slaves included the phrase uh, well we're not going to say that but uh, yeah basically he just put in a lot of derogatory things and uh, you know what a surprise he's uh, a white supremacist who uh, you know has a hatred towards people of a certain religion and certain people of color oh how wonderful yeah it's just it's uh, oh my goodness so well uh, at least they caught him and so, at least this, at least it was, um, and uh, you know, it must have been hor- it must have been horrendous for the people receiving these letters. And uh, well, it's, it's, I'm quite surprised. Like, what? He's he's 35 years old. You know, when you think this is something like, you know, I don't know, like a you know a 16 year old would come up with, like, mm. you know, it's like, oh hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay, I'm gonna uh, send some letters called Punisher Muslim Day. 
Like you know, it's like uh, it just it's uh, it's just it's just it's just so uh, juvenile and yeah. uh, and racist. But uh, it's yeah, it's horrible. So again, it's, it's, it's really bad. Yeah, that happened, and uh, you know, hopefully he's going to get massive amounts of punishment for it. So uh, yes, please do so. Yeah, please. Um, let's move on to this next. Uh, this is a video that we've been sent by somebody. So here we go. Very loud video. Aww. Okay, so uh, this is um. <laughs> it's like a kiddie's playground. Okay. Like, what, what do cats love more than you know boxes? Okay. Pretty much a lot of other things, but boxes are like paradise. The only way I can describe this to my podcast people, okay, just imagine this for a second. The, imagine there's a crazy cat lady and a, a, a very strange man who likes to cr collect boxes. Well, they've decided to elope, and this is the result. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's uh, very exciting, I guess, for the cats, and... Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think where this is. Yeah. It looks like it's in Jip. It looks like it's in China, I think. I yeah, only... I, I think I see Chinese letters on the boxes. Yeah, I can only think of one country that would be able to mass produce cats and boxes on this particular scale. Uh. Wow. Okay. Uh... I will yeah, give them credit. This is actually this is rather mesmerizing to watch. Like. Uh... Yeah. This guy has a lot of different cats as well. Mm-hmm. It's like if, uh, you know, if you get a group of kids and you show them the world's biggest ball pit. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you what, it, this, um, it, it makes you appreciate how agile cats are, because right now one of them's walking, like, along the edges of the boxes. And, uh, so... Must not be very stable, though. Must be kind of, I'd be kind of worried yeah, if they're walking. Yeah, very on their feet. Oh! Whoop. There we go. Yeah, this is it. I think uh, I think the box strategy needs a little bit of rethinking because I think just opening them up on the flaps, I don't think is going to be very stable for them to walk around on. Yeah, yeah. I think the idea was that they were going to like jump from like one box to another. I think. Yeah, which, I mean, sure, some cats would do, but you know, cats love to climb. So. Yeah, because you know, have, uh, have you seen them like walk? Like they they can walk like tight ropes, pretty much. Like kind of like what this cat's doing now. They can like walk across the. Uh, you know, like you know, those you know, those, like, those picket fences, they're like yeah, you know, yeah. like really thin, and they can walk along the edge of that. Mhm. Mm so, uh, well, it's yeah. Uh, cats can walk in like really tight corners. Yeah. I think eventually I will get a cat. I just don't know uh, when I'm when I'm going to get a cat, basically. So, because uh, uh, you know, uh, I tell you what, actually, I did see another video, and uh, I mean, it wasn't suggested to us, so we weren't uh, haven't, haven't managed to play it yet. But have you seen the? Uh, Video from BuzzFeed of that that that, that uh, guy who's like really into cats, and he says like you should walk your cat every day or something like that. Like put it like on a I, leash. I and, may have heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, here's the thing. Like you know, if you if you want your he was like oh he's like oh well uh, if you walk your cat it'll get great outdoors. It's like why not just let him out and walk around wherever he wants. Mm -hmm. You know. Like uh, I'm sure he'd have more. I'm sure he'd get more appreciation for the outdoors if you just let him roam around and, uh, you know, obviously he'll you know, make sure he doesn't get into too much trouble. You know, it's like... Yeah, hmm. yeah well, I don't think there's much else really to this, really. It's just a bunch of cats with boxes and... Uh, soon. 
Yeah. Oh. That cat was a bit menacing, I think. I think he knew something was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. Alright. This is kind of adorable, I will admit. Anyway, we're... We better quickly turn it off before it kind of like starts to hypnotize us. So, uh, um, okay, um, one last video and then uh, we'll be done for the uh, evening. So. Okay. Oh god. No! No! Stop! No! This is no. this. This is this whole no. Bowsette thing. No, I've I've had enough of this. I I'm serious. I I really have had enough of this. This whole this this thing is stupid. I know. Where where did it come from? Uh, well, I don't know. I, I think there was just like some talk about like um, yeah, right. Super Mario Odyssey about like you know the the crowns and such. It's like, oh, what would happen if Bowser were to you know wear wear the crown and you know it turns in, or or was it Princess Peach wear the the crown or something like that? And then it turned into this. It's like yeah. enough. I, this is dumb. I don't I don't know why people like this. Um, yeah, it's just it's um, a meme that just seems to have uh, completely lost lost control. So, uh, Anyway, someone, uh, by the way, actually, there is uh, something to talk about this, and that is that, uh, you know, Unreal Engine 4 now has been out for uh, quite a while, and uh, people are now starting to make, uh, starting to, like, remake some of the Super Nintendo, sorry, Nintendo 64 games out of them. So, um, yeah. this is Mario, this is uh, a, the engine in Super Mario 64, and uh, soon, I've seen ones for, like, uh, Legend of Zelda, the Legend of Zelda one's pretty cool, actually. So, huh. uh, yeah, and so the, and uh, I, hope, I hope someone's gonna do a Star Fox one, but mind you, Star Fox is a bit restricted, I guess, in the uh, in the Unreal Engine, unless you're gonna do like you know all range mode. So, uh, mind you, she uh, she doesn't run all that well because I think she's still modelled off um, uh, Mario on uh, in the original game, so she just kind of runs like really yeah. awkwardly. Was it, was uh, was Peach in the Super Mario DS game as a playable character? No, no it no, was uh, Mario Luigi. And Wario. And Wario. Okay, then cool. So uh, yeah, the only time Peach has been playable is like Super Mario Brothers Two, Super Princess Peach, and uh, Super Mario 3D World. I want to say. And she's playable in all the Mario Party games as well. Well, yeah, I'm talking about like a mainline Mario game, <laughs> not a not a spinoff. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, that's that's that. So uh... Ugh, <laughs> never show this stuff again. I, I'm I'm. God. No, no, my fault. Someone said, "Yeah, someone put it in the uh, in, in the in the inbox," and so we played it. I so. know, I know. Okay, and uh, if you want to send us any stuff that isn't that, then uh, if you send it uh, to facebookcom slash show, it's you send it on it's on Twitter. It's at aromatashow, aromatatumbler.com, uh, and youtubecom slash show. And uh, that is our show. So um, thank you very much for checking us out. So from me, Aaron, and Patricia. Take care, and bye for now. No more Bowsette. <laughs>